back in um, Romans chapter 8 once again. Romans chapter 8. And we might finish up this section today. Romans chapter 8. Last week we started this. Well, we started it way long before that, but we started uh, in chapter or verse 26 and through 30, and we looked at the, this present suffering, and we looked at help last week, help in this present suffering, and then we looked at the good in this present suffering, and this week we're going to look at the purpose of this present suffering. So let's begin, I'll uh, read the passage and then we'll pray and get started. Um, I'll begin reading in verse 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why does he yet hope for it for but if we hope for what we see not then do we with patience wait for it likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to look in your word. And Father, we thank you and we praise you that you have revealed yourself in your word and you preserved your word for us today. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for that. And Father, we ask that you'd help us now that we would just take a few moments and focus on your word what you're doing and what you've done and father we just thank you and praise you for all you do in jesus name amen so last week 
we talked a bit about um, the Holy Spirit and his role in what we do in our lives every day, how that he prays for us, and he always prays according to the will of God. And if you want to know a theology of God, it's not abstract right here. It's right here in our face. It's that the Holy Spirit knows our infirmities. We have a God that knows us. And he prays for us. And he always prays the will of the Father. And we saw last week also another theological thing about God that's not abstract. It's right here in front of us. And he says that everything works together for our good for those that love him. And that's theology right there. That's learning about who God is. He loves us and he cares for us. And this week we're going to look at the purpose in this present suffering. Verse 29 said, For whom he did foreknow. You know, if you're around church people much, there's a few words that cause a lot of discussion. And this is one of them, foreknow, foreordained, predestination. All of those things that God is and does, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. Um, but it, it's really simple, actually, for me. I'm pretty simple. Um, this uh, for whom he know he did foreknow is all one Greek word and it's I'm not going to even try it I can say it a lot at home perfectly but it's all one Greek word and it means to be friended or to be acquainted with someone in a familiar way way ahead of time and before meeting them implying an exclusivity of choice relative to those not being friended. That probably sounds a little confusing to you as it did to me, but the simple meaning of this is God's foreknowledge is an election of foreordaining his chosen people. Let me say that again. God's foreknowledge is an election for for ordaining of his people. You see, God has elected his people. He foreknew them. And for example, in Rome, or Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before you or I knew anything about God, God knew us. He knew us. And he knew us in an intimate way. He knew everything about us. 
all those things in our mind that we keep secret from everyone else God knows those things he foreknew us and anytime the Bible talks about him about God foreknowing someone or predestinating someone or electing them it's always a biblical expression of love love. God loves us. God loves his elect. God loves the ones he's chosen. If you're a Christian, God loves you. And we can see this timeless principle in many, many passages throughout the Bible. And one of the most familiar to us is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, that's God for ordaining a people for himself. For 1 John or Romans 5 8, I've quoted that many times. But God commanded his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners or while we were yet sinning, he loved us. And Christ died for us. 1 John 4.16, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath for us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. In Romans 8.28, we looked at last week. And we know that all things work together for good for them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You see, he predestined us. Uh, verse 29 uses that word, he did predestine, or he did predestinate. And that's another single Greek word. And it means to predetermine, to, de to determine something ahead of time, before it occurs. And it's a parallel word to foreordain or foreknow. Sometimes we say it's the other side of the same coin. God has ordained everything in salvation history with Christ as its goal. That's a powerful statement I learned from the theological dictionary of the New Testament. Um, God has ordained everything salvation history with Christ as the goal. You see, the goal of our salvation is Christ. Is Christ. Nothing else. And Pastor Doug read to us a passage this morning from Acts 4, 21 through 28. 
And that was a story, it was a long story. It covers two chapters there in Acts. Starts in chapter 3 and goes into chapter 4. But at the beginning of chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray about the ninth hour. And there was this guy at the beautiful gate, and he was lame from birth. And he was 40 years old, and they would bring him and set him at this gate, and he would ask for alms of people going in and out of the temple. And the Bible says that when Peter saw him, he fixed his eyes on him. And he called to the man, and he said, look on us. And the story goes that he says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And it says his ankles and his feet were strengthened. And not only that, I mean, you know, God can create anything. He recreates, he recreates us when we come to Christ. He's a creating God. And he created in this man new ankles and new feet that he could walk on. We call it a miracle of, of healing, and it is. But the real healing was the healing of his mind. You understand he's been there for 40 years, not able to walk at all. He couldn't walk. He couldn't stand up. So when Peter said in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk, the Bible says he leaped up, he jumped up. So he had to overcome that pattern in his mind that said he can't walk. You know, that's a powerful thing to change one's mind. And that's what it means when Romans 12.1 talks about renewing your mind. That's what it means when Ezekiel said he gives you a new heart. He takes out the stony heart and gives you a heart of flesh. It's renewing, creating a new in us salvation just as it is or was um, we were talking about predestinate and in that passage that uh, Doug read to us it talked about, it quoted David, he says, why have the people imagined a vain thing? And he names names, Peter names names, he said, Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Jews and the Gentiles, they all imagined a vain thing that Christ needed to be crucified. I mean, it's easy for us to look back with 2020 vision and say, you know, if I would have been there, 
I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been in that crowd. But what he says there, he, he gives a list of everybody that was there, was in the crowd, and they all imagined a vain thing. And through it, they accomplished God's will. They accomplished what God foreordained to happen. That Christ would come to this earth as a man. He would live a perfect life. He would die on a cross, be buried for three days, and rise again and ascend up into heaven and seated on the right hand of the Father even now. That was foreordained. So just as it is that Christ, it was for Christ to live and die and be buried and be crucified and rise again the third day, it's foreordained for you and I, if you're a Christian, We've learned that already in chapter 8, verse uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you place your faith and your trust in Christ and Christ alone, you're a child of God. And as a child, you suffer like Christ suffered. Maybe not in the same way, but we have suffering in our life. And if children, then heirs. We're heirs with Christ. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. You know, when we suffer for Christ, and we will. I was talking to a brother this week who suffered an injustice, and he did it for Christ. And he persevered. I talked to him. It wasn't easy for him, for sure. But he suffered. And God saves people to be his children. That's why you're saved. You're saved to be a child of God. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. 
we should be called the sons of God. Glory, hallelujah, people. If you are saved today, glory, hallelujah. Somebody said it. Amen. What manner of love have God bestowed on us that we're called the sons of God? that suffering he tells us in that same verse he says therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not folks if you grew up in a family where your parents loved you and you knew that they loved you and you you have gotten a tiny glimpse of what it's like to be a child of God that's your history that you grew up in a family where your parents loved you and you knew they loved you that's a tiny glimpse of what it's like to be a child of God and if you grew up in a family where you were not sure that your parents loved you you can rejoice knowing that God loves you enough to make you his child you're a Christian, if you've placed your faith and trust of Him, if you turn to Him in repentance and faith, you can rejoice knowing that you are a child of God. And if you're not a Christian, God has freely offered you salvation to become one of His children. And in Romans chapter 3, he says, we just come by simple faith, faith in Christ alone. Let's think about Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man Jesus died and suffered death and he tasted that death for every man see it was in a, a man's body that Christ came and lived the same kind of body that we have. It's a body of flesh. And he lived a perfect life. And he died. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that the sting of death is sin. So if there's death, it's because of sin. But yet Jesus died and he was perfect. So he wasn't dying for his own sin. He's dying for the sins of his people. Then it goes on to say in verse 10 there in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, For it became him. You might ask the question, well, what became him? 
death became Christ. Christ became death. And it talks about Christ's glory, Christ the God. It says, for whom are all things? You know, this whole creation that we see and live in, the whole universe is for Christ. Then it goes on to say, it says, by whom are all things? We learn in 1 John, or John 1, that Christ made everything. There was nothing made that wasn't made by him. It's all for Christ, and it all was made by Christ. That verse goes on, and it says, in bringing many sons unto glory. Bringing many sons unto glory. You see, Christ became death to bring many sons to glory. Jesus was sin. Jesus' death was for sin, but not his own sin. His death removed the sting of death for all believers, for all who believe. And the sting of death is sin. And Jesus died for sin. He died for sin. He died for my sin and for your sin. His death brings many sons to glory. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. And by his death, many are made the children of God. They are redeemed from the wrath of God. You might be thinking by now that I'm really beating this thing about being a child of God through the death of Christ. Because that's our only hope. All of salvation hinges on the fact that Christ died for sin. And that through simple faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven. Romans 8.30 says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified them he also glorified you understand what this verse is it's an overview of salvation it's an outline of salvation God determined to save sinners and this this is how he does it that's a pileated woodpecker woodpecker in case you're wondering I know he got your attention there pileated woodpecker anyway God determined to save God determined to save sinners 
And this is how he did it in this verse. It's just an outline of what happens when a person comes to Christ. God knew, foreknew them in love, and he called them. And when he called them, when he calls a person, they believe by faith. And through this faith, they are justified. And one day, they will be glorified. So, as we close here, I want you to be encouraged in this present suffering. Because the purpose of it bring many sons to glory. And that glory one day will be glorified. All of our suffering will be over. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more bad backs. There will be no more arthritis. There will be no more you can fill in the blank that causes us to suffer. And if you've never trusted Christ, I implore you today to cry out to God today in repentance and faith. Be like that man that brought his son to Jesus brought him to the disciples to be healed. And Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith. And the man cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Cry out to Christ today. And ask him to help your unbelief. save you. Jesus said that all that the Father gives me, I won't lose any of them. All that come to me, I will no wise cast out. Father, again, we thank you for the powerful words we heard today. Father, we ask that you encourage the hearts of your people today in whatever struggle they're going through. Father, we ask that they would be encouraged today to know that you love them and that the Holy Spirit prays for them and Christ intercedes for them. And all that they're going through is for their good and for your glory. Father, I ask that you just encourage hearts today Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, please remain standing for our final song.